Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game with Social Selling, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you are in the right place. Let's see what the buzz on the street is today. Oh my, here's an interesting one. The buzz is from an author named Paige Leidig, and let me read the quote. This will set us up very nicely. The importance of understanding the impact of your competitor's social footprints compared to your own cannot be overstated. So we've got a couple of buzzwords in there. We've got social, meaning social media, social selling. We've got competitors. Hey, you all have some of those if you're in business. And footprint, where have you been? Where are you going? And where are they? So let's talk. All brands and organizations today operate in a very competitive, fast-paced global environment. Come on, you can't just be sitting there doing your thing in your neighborhood. You've got to either be involved globally with a supply chain or you've got a customer from around the world who wants to talk to you. It is global, period. But while some brands want to stay in that, oh, blinders on tower and say, we're not going to talk about the competition. We're okay. We've got the best of everything. Others are obsessed with tracking their competitors. Some are using some spy techniques. We'll just call it under the radar. We'll leave that one alone. But traditional wisdom still holds. Strong knowledge about your competitors' strengths and weaknesses puts you in a position to make smarter marketing strategy decisions. And then we are going to recommend that you don't ignore social. You may think it's just for tweeting, it's just for a Facebook page, but there is, I was going to say, there is gold in them thar hills, an old expression, because there is so much data out there about your competitors. But the question is, how do you know what to get? How do you find it? How do you analyze it? So we're going to get started. Let me tell you who our three panelists are. We're having a little trouble getting one of them. Uh, Frank Geisler, CMO and CEO at ERP Sourcing. We will get him on in a few minutes. We're still getting your answering machine, Frank, if you're listening. We also have Simon DeShen. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. The founder and CEO at Oak 3S. That's one word, O-A-K-3-S. And Simon will tell us what his company does. And rounding out the panel is Kirsten Boyleau. Of course, it's her series, Head of Regional Engagement and Social Selling at SAP, and she is our guru. So I'm going to flip the order here a little bit since we don't have Frank on the air yet. And we're going to start with Simon Deshen. And Simon, I hope I'm pronouncing your name right, am I? Yeah, yeah very good, actually. <laughs> Uh, well, I took French for many years, but many years ago, and I, I see that uh, that accent on the second E, and I said, well, that has to be the way. So Simon has sent us a wonderful quote from Duke Ellington. Anybody who doesn't remember, if you're very young, you may never have heard of big band music, of the famous, famous band leaders. His name was Edward Kennedy Duke, his nickname, Ellington. He lived from 1899 to 1974, an American composer, pianist, and band leader of 
of a jazz orchestra, which he led from 1923 until his death. He did it for 50 years. Talk about a commitment to what you do. He was based in New York City in the mid-1920s, and uh, he was referred to his music as part of the more general category of American music rather than just as jazz. I have to add a side note here, Simon. I was friends for many years with a gentleman named Erwin Drake. He wasn't a household name, but he was president of one of the biggest music associations, and he wrote the score for many pieces of music, including the Broadway show, What Makes Sammy Run? And uh, the show, the song Quando, 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 he wrote that, A Room Without Windows, all kinds of beautiful songs. But in the 1944 era... Erwin Drake was asked to write the lyrics for a song named Perdido, and this was a song that Duke Ellington recorded with his band and made famous as an instrumental. So there's a little bit of personal history for me knowing Erwin Drake, who did co-write the lyrics. So here's the quote Simon has selected from Duke Ellington for our show. I don't need time. What I need is a deadline. Simon, welcome to Game Changers Radio. We have to know what in the world does this have to do with unearthing the wealth of competitive data on social media? Simon, talk to me. Yeah, hi. <laughs> yeah, pretty amazing. But what I feel is that uh, that quote is is not only about monitoring, uh, I mean, your competitors or or doesn't have anything to only with social media but with business as well and when i when i see my uh, my customers work and when i look at my work um a deadline is all about uh planning and focusing while having time <laughs> without a deadline is all about distraction and on social media you have so many distractions when you work every day into that uh, that kind of area monitoring all I mean, all your competitors and looking at new platforms and everything. So I really think that uh, a deadline also is a start for reverse engineering, which is very powerful in terms of uh, social selling and also putting goals on the board for your own uh, company or your own sales, uh, sales objectives. So that's where it comes from. Very, very interesting. Simon, do you follow Duke Ellington? Do you remember that big band era, or have you heard about it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I used to play saxophone myself So <laughs> when I was a lot younger, though. So, <laughs> oh, my. Well, yeah, that's yeah, very yeah, interesting. Yeah. What yeah. Did you play jazz, or what, what, did you, what kind of music did you play? Yeah, that was mainly jazz, but I was like, uh, I would consider myself a very beginner, uh, even if I played for maybe 10 years. Um, but yeah, Drew Kellington was not a saxophonist, but he was a jazz jazzman, and I used I I know him. Yeah, I knew him before before I found uh, I fell on that quote. Very interesting. I'm I'm so pleased you picked such an interesting quote, and thank you very much for that, bringing back some memories. And as I say, Erwin Drake was a good friend of mine in New York, and um, he would be very honored that I mentioned his name. He passed away about two years ago, but I think he'd be honored. He'd say, really, Bonnie? You're mentioning me on Game Changers Radio? <laughs> I think he would appreciate that. He, he wrote some wonderful music. Um, yeah, uh, let me see. Good Morning Heartache. Do you remember that? The Billie Holiday song? Diana Ross sang it. Good Morning Heartache. Remember yep. that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Erwin Drake wrote, wrote that one, too. He was a very colorful figure. Let's just leave it at that. Very interesting man. So thank you very much, Simon. Wow. We're still trying to get Frank Kirsten. So, um, yes, yeah, so uh, Aaron, his line is open, and we're trying. Oh, we have Frank. Wonderful. Let's bring Frank Geisler on. Kirsten, we'll, we'll, we'll keep you in third place here, and we'll save you. Okay. Frank Geisler, welcome to Game Changers Radio. How are you, Frank? Hi there. I'm doing well, and uh, thank you for having me. And you finally well, got we're delighted we finally got through. We've started the show, and we've gone to your colleague on the panel, Simon Deschamps. We've talked about his opening quote from the wonderful Duke Ellington. And now I'm going to read your opening quote. And Frank D. Geisler is CEO and CMO at ERP Sourcing. And Frank has sent us a quote from, well, it's disputable, but we think it's from Robert Orbin, who was a successful comedy writer who supplied jokes to books and newsletters. Uh, and this was way back in the 1970s. Here's the quote, everybody. See if it sounds familiar. If you think education is expensive, try ignorance. And that quote has been attributed to everybody from Derek Bach, the president, a president of Harvard University, to Ann Landers, the advice columnist. Uh, rumor has it that Benjamin Franklin said it, but it looks like it actually was said first by Robert Orban in 1974. So, Frank, welcome, and let's talk. How was you? How was this quote picked by you? What do you think it, how does it relate to our topic of getting competitive gold out of them, Nar Hills, on social media? Uh, thanks, Bonnie. Great question. You see, uh, and you know, I'm based in Europe. I'm based in Switzerland. So social media and social selling, I think, is slightly different uh, compared with the U.S. It's picking up speed, but I can give you an example from my recent history where I was supporting a software company, a best-of-breed software company, and they had a superior system, and they thought, there is no need for us to educate anybody, sales, marketing, product development. Our products are so great, so we will buy anyway. And guess what? Uh, competition was, was faster, was clever, and they found out the, uh, the weak spots of that solution. And at the end, they took over, and uh, <laughs> that company was gone. So that, their credo that time ago was, we are the best, ignore the rest. But they should have listened to uh, Robert Orban, who said, if you think education ex is expensive, try ignorance. Absolutely. Very interesting. So I opened, I think you had my opening in advance, my opening monologue. So I was saying that some companies just don't want to know about the competition. Other ones resort to spy quality tactics under the radar, and some of the wise ones are saying, we better get out there and do it. So what's your thought for companies? Is that a warning of do or die? Know the competition and use social. What's your, your bottom line advice to companies that know about social, but they're not willing or able yet to mine it for this data? Frank? Uh, that's totally correct. I think uh, it also depends on the industry and the market segment. And uh, to make it even more complex, companies are confusing social media and social selling. So from my perspective, some companies, uh, they get a grasp on social media. They, they educate their teams, uh, but then they are not, uh, they're not sure how they bring this down to the sales level and the sales team, and they're stuck. And, it, and at some end, they give up and say it's too complex or it's becoming too expensive for me. So they just don't do anything, which is, which is very strange from my end. 
Yeah, very strange, but it may, may be a challenge. I, I would suspect, and we'll talk to Kirsten about this in a minute, and then we'll go back to Simon. It sounds like it's fun, but very time-consuming. Oh, wow, we're going to go out and find out every place they are, and then we're going to put it, I don't know, maybe on a spreadsheet, or we're going to put it in a in a Word document. We're going to pass it around. Oh, Bob, you go find them on Facebook, and Mary, you go find them on LinkedIn, and okay, and and uh, and uh, Simone, you go find them on some other, find them on Instagram, and we're going to tackle this. So we're, we're going to get down to some bits and bites here on how to actually do this because I know our listeners would like to know more. Thank you, Frank, and welcome to the show. And now, Kirsten, we waited and we were patient, and here you are, Kirsten Boileau. And Kirsten has sent us a quote from Marie Forleo, F-O-R-L-E-O. Kirsten, I had no idea who she was, how she is, and now I'm so glad that you picked a quote from her. She's an American life coach, motivational speaker, author, web TV host of Marie TV, named after her, and the owner of Marie Forleo International. National B-School and Marie TV. Uh, she was a trading assistant on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange right after college. And then she left to go work for some wonderful magazines like Gourmet and Mademoiselle. And she took some online courses to learn to coach her clients. And bingo, she went from working for a magazine to having her own. Well, she bartended and she instructed fitness classes. And she became a Nike Elite dance athlete in 2005. And then she released a book in 2008, Make Everything. Every man want you how to be so irresistible you'll barely keep from dating yourself. <laughs> Kirsten, really, the book was published in six. I know the book was published in sixteen languages, and then she founded her business coaching practice. So she was all over the place. Sir Richard Branson invited her to mentor entrepreneurs at his Center for Entrepreneurship. That was the year she founded Marie TV. Uh, and Oprah Winfrey called Marie Forleo a thought leader for the next generation. And Forbes listed her among the top one hundred websites for entrepreneurs. That is some big deal. She was born in nineteen seventy five. She's a kid. So here's the quote, Kirsten has selected from the very illustrious, and I'm glad to know about her, Marie Forleo. Success doesn't come from what you do occasionally. It comes from what you do consistently. Kirsten, how are you? I'm wonderful, Bonnie. Thank you. How are you? I'm well. Thank you very much. you got a good panel here, good talkers, good thinkers, and we're going to learn a lot. So talk to me about this quote, and how did you find Marie Forleo? Well, I came across her while I was looking for um, a few Things to kind of um, uh, do some development for my team, you know, looking, talking about how we can improve our, you know, our overall business within our, as leadership, as a leader of the team. And um, I came across this one and I thought, oh, this would be a really great one for uh, SAP Radio when I, (laughs) next time I do one. Um, And I think that it really fits in with today's topic around, you know, being, um, understanding what competitors are talking about and understanding, uh, because at a, at a, broader perspective, understanding what your competitor is doing is, is, is about social listening. Um, I know today we're going to be talking about competitors specifically, but uh, social listening is so, so important. It's such a um, impactful topic for social sellers. And, and it kind of gets short shrift. Uh, most people think, oh, listening, yeah, it's not that big a deal. It's, uh, you know, I, I don't need to do it or I don't need to pay much attention to it. But when it comes to um, being consistent and, and, and being successful with social selling, social listening is one of those things that you can do. You, and it, there's no, there doesn't have to be a formal, formalized dashboard that you're looking at necessarily. You can do listening in many, many, many different forms. And, and that's why I feel it can be, that's why it's so um, pervasive and so uh, su- 
such a key element to success with social selling. Absolutely. And, and you know, Kirsten, I, I decided we, we talked, we had an abstract you sent me for the show, and I decided to call it Modern Competitive Analysis, Remember Social Media. Do you think it's overlooked broadly by companies that are still getting on board? We call it the bandwagon. Kirsten, is social selling and social media and social listening, and we're going to make sure we have clear definitions of all of those. I think Frank mentioned there's some confusion between media and selling. We want to clear that up for our listeners. But uh, Kirsten, do you think a lot of companies Companies are just saying, oh, it's all we can do to get make sure we have the right LinkedIn profiles and, goodness, a Facebook page. And really, we got to go on Twitter now? That's where people tell you what they had for breakfast. Do you think there's still this idea that it, that social selling is immature for immature people and it's not really a business tool? What's your, your viewpoint? Because you've been doing this for a while. When it comes to social listening, I'm not... I wouldn't say that it's people look at it as immature. They don't under, I think they don't understand the significance of how impactful and important it is to overall success with social selling. Uh, social, uh, Frank mentioned, you know, that many companies are starting to understand social media and they're, you know, putting in place all of the elements of that. What they're missing is then the next piece, which is social selling and taking it to that next level. Uh, and so lots of companies have a social listening platform that they use to gather sentiment analysis and trend watching and locating influencers in, in, in their particular space. And, uh, and many people think if, when you talk about social listening from a social selling perspective, they think, oh, well, that's, that's being done by the marketing team. And the thing is, that the, yes, that's, that's, it's absolutely necessary from a from the bigger perspective to be able to um, guide your marketing and guide your the way that you talk about things um, from a, the bigger awareness generation standpoint. But it's also really important from an individual standpoint to know how, as a sales rep, to know how to approach your customer. And it's not just for sales. It's also for pre-sales. It's also for mm-hmm. uh, other support teams within the sales organization to be able to understand the best way to, to approach a customer and the best way to understand what the competitors are talking about so that you know how to do objection handling as a sales rep. You know, there's, there's all kinds of elements to it. Um, and, and I think it's, I think it's not that, it's, that it, people view it as a, an immature aspect. I think people don't understand how important it truly is to the social selling uh, success. Thank you very much. We have a, an interesting uh, comment here on Twitter. Yes, we do use social listening and social sentiment and all that here on, on SAP Radio. I tweet actively during the live shows at hashtag SAP Radio. So uh, Michael Labate or Labat, L-A-B-A-T-E, says, hype or Labate. reality? Labati. Michael Labati is tweeting, and he says, hype or reality? It depends on how one values six times larger deal sizes as a result of changing behaviors, a result of modernizing marketing and selling behaviors. What do you think of that, Kirsten? Good comment? Oh, it's an excellent comment. Yeah. And, you know, do you, do you value the, the, the impact that social selling can have on your bottom line? And, uh, and it's absolutely really uh, very, very uh, impactful today. Thank you. We also have, let's see, um, who is tweeting now? We have uh, Suda Jamti is tweeting as well. And we've got uh, Frank Geisler, who we, we have on the show with us, has been tweeting. And we appreciate that. Join us. We're having a little bit of a Twitter party here at hashtag SAPRADIO. Speaking of social, let me quickly go around the table before we ask everybody what you're drinking, your, what's in your cup today. That's our segment of where you're calling from. So, Frank, um, agree or disagree that social, well, why don't you define social listening? 
marketing versus social selling versus social media. Why don't we get a quick uh, level setting, I call it, Frank, from you on, on what these terms all mean so our listeners can distinguish them and understand them. Yeah, thanks for the question. I think there are several explanations possible to, to make it really easy. Social media is to present yourself, your solutions, and everything else in social media. That's the simplest way. Social selling is use social media and your sales techniques to open to prospects and then follow up with regular sales techniques. And social listening is the other way around. Have your ear on the market and listen what's going on, not only from the competitive side, but also from the general market side, uh, from other countries, etc., and bring this back into your sales and marketing strategies. Thank you. Simon, you want to weigh in on these definitions? Anything you'd like to add? Um, maybe, yes. I'd like to add that uh, social listening should be also used um, to understand the bleeding points of your, your customers. So I think they, 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 it should be really used to really understand it because it changes a lot and uh, in time. And you need to adapt and you need to adjust and it's a great way to do it. Thank you very much. Frank D. Geisler, we're circling around the table to you. Now it's time to have a little fun. Well, I think we already have been. We want to get a little personal about this. Frank, I believe we're calling you in Switzerland. Why don't you tell us approximately where you are? And if you don't have anything interesting in your cup right now, also what time is it there, Frank, right now? Uh, what do you love to drink the most in the whole world? Frank Geisler? Um, okay, I'll start from the first question. It's now uh, half past four in the afternoon. So I wouldn't say the uh, the day ends already, but I'm an early bird. Normally I get up at 4.30 in the morning. So for me, it's quite late in the day. And then on top in Switzerland, despite we have uh, bright sunshine today, um, I'm based in Zurich and the flu season has started. So I'm Ooh. if I'm looking in my cup, I have a very special drink. Not everybody uh, might like it. It's a red wine from Italy and I have a raw egg in it because that gives me power and uh, supports me against the viruses, which might come through over the next couple of days. Red wine with raw egg. Frank, I've done, about, Kirsten knows I've been doing Game Changers Radio since I started it in October 2011. So it's six years, six years and maybe a week. And I've probably spoken to 3,000 people. And I uh, have done uh, a thousand shows, and I don't think anybody has ever talked about that. Very, very interesting. And I'm looking here at, I googled red wine with a raw egg, and it's called, Frank, are you ready for this? It's called the Italian yes. Breakfast of Champions. Italian breakfast is, I'm not kidding you, benefits and tradition are in a glass of red wine and a fresh raw egg. Okay, I'll let you look that up. Salute per cinto anno. That was what this writer's grandfather used to say. Good luck for a hundred years. And that was the drink <laughs> they had for breakfast. The website is organicgarden.wordpress.com. It's somebody's blog. So I wanted you to know. And there's also extracrispy.com has a brief history of drinking raw eggs from Macbeth to oranges, the new black. So there you go. We're going to have to look into that. Thank you, Frank. That's a very interesting way of starting our conversation. Yeah. Simon Deschen, where art thou, and what do you love to drink, Simon? 
Well, that, that was a strong start, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> you think? I hate you a little for that. <laughs> uh, never heard about it. Uh, um, yeah, I'm, I'm located in Montreal, Canada, the French part of Canada here. So, um, and uh, here it's um, we're close to November, and the weather is pretty uh, great today. So. Uh, my uh, girlfriend, being a naturopath, she prepared me a peach, mango, jasmine, and white uh, peony tree tea, <laughs> which uh, it's it's actually cold, and it's mm-hmm. also um, getting me thinking about our next trip that is going to be in uh, Sri Lanka, which is a tea producer c- country, as you might know probably. So that's Mm. what's in my cup this morning. Very interesting. Glad to hear your weather is good. I'll tell you about mine in a minute. Thank you very much. And Kirsten Boylow, are you in Waterloo today, Kirsten? I am, yes. I'm here in, it's actually sunny here. Uh, Sorry to, uh, well, you'll be getting the sunshine later on today, maybe. Uh, Simon, (laughs) we're passing our weather westward. Um, And uh, in my cup, I have some lemon green tea, and I also have some water on my desk as well. And lemon green tea, is that something you add the lemon to it, or does the lemon flavor come in the tea bag? Uh, It was in the tea bag today. Usually I like to just have a regular green tea and then add a half a lemon to it, but I didn't have time for that this morning, so I just picked up a tea bag in the kitchen here at the office. Interesting. Interesting. Well, I am in my new home office in Durham, North Carolina, and we had a tornado watch last night. And what that meant to me was a lot of rain and all of the vents on the outside of my house were banging and flapping for hours. So it sounded like I had a drum corps (laughs) serenading me. The stove, outside the stove, I thought it was the pilot flame on the gas stove. I heard like that. And then outside of the gas fireplace, I could hear something going... And then in the bathroom, where there's a vent up on the master bathroom, up on the roof there, there's a... So I had a drum corps serenading me for hours. Luckily, even though the tornado watch went to, listen to this, 2.23 a.m. was the official end of the tornado watch, according to the news bulletin on local TV. How they decided it would stop at 2.23, I have no idea. But I I passed out at 12.30 in front of the TV, went to bed, and it was completely quiet. So the chorus stopped. But for uh, Frank and Simon, I want you to know that they don't let me anywhere near caffeine on radio show days. Kirsten knows this and you know why all they let me have is water so i have a beautiful cool clear mug with cool clear water from my brita filter and i have a pink straw because well it started out sunny and it's not looking too bright out right now kind of overcast so we will see what the weather is but kirsten i was told by a friend who's lived here in durham for many years she said if you don't like the weather in durham wait 15 minutes it will change so we we just sent our weather system up to long island new york i hear they're having the same windy weather we had last night and rain. So there you go. We're having a really interesting conversation. When you think about modern competitive analysis, you think about traditional ways, well, stop, look at social media, social selling, social listening. You have to know what you're doing. You have to know where to find it, how to approach it, how to use that data, how to process it. It's not just for one person in your company. We're going to find out who should be doing this, how to train them, what some of the tricks of the trade, so to speak, are. So our topic is modern competitive 
competitive analysis question mark because you should be doing it remember social media we have a very interesting panel when we come back I'll ask Frank D. Geisler what he does at ERP Sourcing and I'll ask Simon Deschen what he does at Oak 3S and we know what Kirsten does I'm Bonnie D. Graham we're going to take a quick break so don't even think of touching that mouse that app that dial we have so much more to talk about Aaron out When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Social media is taking sales organizations by storm. And only those who adapt quickly into the new digital world will be around in the future. Social selling is a concept that has implications to all lines of business. From building the fundamentals in the sales process and getting the content marketing mix right, to building cross-functional teams and ultimately changing the way buyers and sellers engage in a digital world. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how social selling is changing the world of business. Changing the Game with Social Selling is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Changing the Game with Social Selling, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to changing the game with social selling. Indeed, we are back, and let's find out who our panelists are. So, Frank D. Geisler, CEO and CMO at ERP Sourcing. Frank, give us a brief overview of your company, please. Uh, you're very welcome. ERP Sourcing, as the name says, we are based in the ERP spot, and our focus is as, a, uh, as an SAP partner, we focus on selling services, outsourcing, and hosting ERP solutions, enterprise resource planning solutions. Okay, and how did you get into this topic? Because you're here as an expert on social media as a competitive resource. How did you get into this? What's the dotted line from your company to this area of expertise? Yeah, my focus in the business, I'm the chief marketing officer. So I'm the, let's say, I'm the communications person for ERP sourcing uh, since a couple of years. And I quickly found out that communication is always two ways. So it's not only uh, talking about what ERP sourcing is and does but also at the same time looking around what's going on in the market and especially uh, what's going on with the competition. Thank you. And you just answered one of my questions before the break. I said, we'll find out whose job is it to do this. And you as the CMO, looks like you you dove into the pool with both feet. And we'll be talking about that in a few minutes. Thank you, Frank. Simon Deschen, founder and CEO at Oak 3S. Simon, what does your company do? Yeah. <laughs> I may explain the name because it sounds uh, maybe awkward. Oak uh, is for my family name, which, is, which means Deschamps uh, means oak. And 3S, uh, pronounced trees, because of uh, the smart social selling methodology that I, um, I uh, promote to my customers. Uh, what we do is that we, uh, we conduct and we, we enroll uh, SMEs, uh, Canadian SMEs, to social selling. 
to adapt to new ways of uh, presenting themselves and prospecting uh, with their own customers. And okay. Different markets. Yeah, go ahead. Continue. Yeah, yeah. Different uh, in different markets: uh, manufacturing, exporting, uh, professional services, all kinds of of B two B companies in in the Canadian market. Very interesting. And in from your perspective, Simon, um, as the CEO, and Frank mentioned he's the CMO, do you uh, work on that competitive side of social media for your company? Is that something you personally do? For my own company, you mean? Yes. Yes. Yeah, a lot, yes. Actually, it's... Um, it's it, I mean, we're really early here in uh, the social selling uh, services process in in in, fr- in the French part of Canada. Uh, we're be- really we're really behind. I mean, what's happening in the U.S. at the moment, and even in in, in the English part of Canada. So it's uh, we're really in the education process for a lot of companies to to implement uh, social selling and to educate people on what it is at the moment and and why they should they should do it. So um, yeah, I'm I'm doing it at the moment, but more more to to uh, to learn and to keep uh, myself updated, uh, to keep my team as well updated on what's happening uh, with the leaders, uh, the game changers in social science. Thank you very much. That's what I wanted to get to. Okay, Frank D. Geisler, we're going to look at your notes here, and let's see what you told me before the show. Let's start here for the roundtable. You say the few who do not ignore but constantly learn and educate are ahead of the game. So let's apply this to our topic of using social media for a competitive. Go ahead, Frank. Tell us more, please. Yeah, I think it's very important to understand what your competitors are doing and for for being in a position to do this right, you have to set up your homework first. So first you have to look at who are my competitors, then where are these competitors, and then follow these competitors. So um, I, would, I would guess to start with three to five competitors in the first place. And if I look into my IT uh, business where I'm working in, um, there are generally uh, international competitors, very large. And then there are local competitors. I think you need to keep track of the top two or three in each of these segments. So, for example, what I do, I spend approximately one hour per day Mm -hmm. in looking what our competitors are doing in this market. And then if you are working in a larger company, maybe you have uh, great tools which uh, support you in doing this. Uh, so let's say if you're an art company with thousands of employees, you might have more and more people who just take care for this. But if you're working in a smaller company like I do, we have about 50 people, then uh, you need to be hands-on, do it yourself or maybe with another person and do it with uh, regular media you can use like uh, Excel, Word documents, etc. Because at the end, it's important to collect the data but also uh, make analysis out of it and make suggestions, for example, to the marketing or to the sales team, what to do, what not to do, what to focus on, or what to avoid. Thank you. Good start to this part of the show. Simon Deshen, please chime in. Agree or disagree with Frank about the number of companies, whose job is it? Let's keep this going. Yeah, I um, totally agree that it should be done on a regular basis. I would, I would love to be as disciplined as I want to work today, but I would say... I, <laughs> 
the the total amount of time is almost the same. I do it probably you know five five hours a week, um, whenever I, I can be on there uh, for my own company. But for for our customers, I mean, it's a discipline that we we that we implement in the routine of safe salespeople as well. I mean, they. Uh, I would go deeper into that also. Doing social listening for for the brand, for the companies that are around, but also uh, with the individuals that are in those companies leading sales and marketing. Because I mean, we need to listen to individuals, so that is adding to the task um, of following a lot of people. And as Frank said, um, uh, while in large companies you may have some tools to monitor those you know those topics and those keywords and and those hashtags, uh, when you work for uh, a small company, you need to do it, you, know, you need to be hands-on, and that's right. But it needs to be done that way, <laughs> the hard way. The hard way, there you go. Kirsten, weigh in on this. This is your this is your wheelhouse. This is what you do, the training, the enablement. So what do you, number of hours, and I'm just posting on Twitter, Kirsten, how many hours a day or a week does your company spend on social media competitive analysis? Kirsten, what do you think should be the goal? Is there a number of hours, number of days, or is it just whatever is needed? I, I don't think that there's a, a, a prescription that you can give because it depends on... Um, you know, how many competitors you have and who are they and where are they and, and um, you know, all the things that Frank and Simon have both mentioned, that it's, it's not so much, um, it, it's not so, uh, the quality or the quantity is not so much the important piece, it's the quality because you could be just listening to dead space if you don't have very many competitors. So, you know, setting, telling someone that they have to listen for five hours a week, um, if they don't have any competitors, they're going to be listening to nothing. Right. Um, so it really depends on, you know, the, the factors that influence your overall competitive analysis and who, who you're listening to, how many competitors you're trying to listen to, um, how you're trying to, to gather that information. And, and also then uh, once you've done some gathering of information, making sure that you're analyzing that information. Is this information going to be, is it um, valuable to me? Am I just gathering information that's really not telling me anything um, and that because my competitors aren't really sharing uh, anything that, uh, that is of a value? And so maybe you know, decreasing the amount of time that you're listening. You might want to go back to it every once in a while and just make sure that you're not missing out on something that your competitors haven't gotten better at, at sharing. And so now you, you're starting to learn more things of value from them. Uh, but I think that there's there's something to be said for making sure that you're it's it's the quality of the listening that you're doing and not so much the quantity. Thank you very much. Frank, you started this. I'm going to give you a minute to just wrap this up, and then I'm going to move to a topic from Simon's List. So, Frank, anything you would like to add? Um, I totally agree. What has been said earlier, uh, what I find important is we just talk about competition, but uh, competition is probably more than you think in the first place. Most uh, companies think about compet- comp- sorry, competitive pages of their competitors. Like they look on the LinkedIn company profile, but what often gets forgotten is to look at the employees of that organization. What are they posting? And last but not least, some companies, especially larger ones, have multiple presences like Twitter channels for support and services. And if you look in there, you might quickly find weak spots of the competition. 
like answering uh, uh, wrongly, not answering at all, and other things. So not important for me is not only looking at the standard corporate page, but all, checking also the other pages a competitor might have. Very interesting, and that was exactly where I was going to steer the conversation to my notes from Simon Deshan. He says, look at who you're really competing with individually and their strengths. Look at the sales team of the competitors, how many are on LinkedIn, how many are on Twitter. Evaluate the presence of the sales executives and whether the reps have strong or poor professional profiles. Simon, I think this is a good segue into that. You want to give us a little more meat on the bones about how do you see if the sales reps have strong or poor professional profiles? Profiles. That sounds very subjective to me. Simon, how, how do you do that? Yeah, yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, um, and my first uh, first question I ask myself when I look at those um, competitors' profiles is, are they aligned to to the brand value proposals? You know, so and are they aligned for representing uh, their their products, their services, their their solution? And are they also aligned? serving their customers' challenges. So how do they present themselves as solution, you know, providers for their prospects? So that's, that's how I see it. If, and, and a lot of them are, are not aligned like that. I mean, a lot of people are still using LinkedIn as a CV or, or Twitter as, you know, a leisure uh, <laughs> a party or not really a, in a professional way. So that's... That gives me a lot of insights, especially when I have competitors working the right way, because then I can see how they, they align on uh, solving uh, their customers' issues. So, Simon, give us a practical example. So, in other words, let's say that you're in the uh, you, you meant let me let me just be something very uh, very basic. You manufacture bicycles. Okay, it's certainly not a one-off industry. There are companies all over the world doing this, and you have a Facebook page, and you have a all of your salespeople have a good strong LinkedIn profile, and you are starting to go on Twitter. So, what would you do? Would you look for the hashtag bike and bicycles and bicycle sales or customized bikes and then identify all of the the names, the Twitter handles, for example, that are out there and then see if you could look at the profile and link them back to specific companies. Can you just give us, do you want to take this, Simon or Kirsten, who would like to take this? I'd like to get into really the nuts and bolts of, of how to do this. Who wants to take this? I, I can take it. That's a, Please, that's go, go ahead, Simon. Yeah, yeah uh, I mean, Taking the North America market, for example, for a German brand that's, uh, that's one of my customer has um, to represent as a distributor, uh, the, the first start and, and also marketing uh, electric, electric bikes in the market, um, when you go into one market, you, it's a B2B thing first. So uh, we were targeting, you know, bike retailers in, in the U.S., for example. So... What you're going to do is you're going to look at your competitors, with, which I won't name for sure, but mm-hmm. who are they connected with? Uh, are they connected with uh, retailers? Those are really small businesses, but you have mm-hmm. good and you have bad uh, e-bikes retailers in the market, for example. So you need to, to look at uh, your competition in terms of who are they connected with on LinkedIn, on Twitter. We did it on LinkedIn and on Twitter, basically, uh, because it was B2B. If that can give you a first example. Uh, I'll let the others maybe add to the conversation. Thank you. Kirsten, you're up. What do you think? 
Oh, I think that there's all kinds of different things that we can learn from our competitors and I by making sure that you're listening to your competitors and by evaluating their the way that they interact with their customers, um, what kinds of things they share, how well their 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 sales reps profiles are built, and I you know I wanted to actually go back to the question that you asked Simon a few minutes ago is you know what yeah. kind of thing do you actually look for when you're looking at a competitors profile, um, looking for customer centricity. You know, yes, aligning with the the brand's um, value statements and that kind of thing, but also making sure that the that the the reps are are being very customer centric. They're talking to their customer and not, um, you know, being using uh, their profile to um, essentially up themselves and and you know. Uh, to speak to, say, a recruiter or something like that. They're really talking to their customers. They're speaking their customers' language, and they're, they're talking about things that their customer are, would be interested in learning. Um, and that's how, well, you know, if you can, if you can really understand, it, do they have that kind of um, bent in the way that they talk to their customers, or are they not utilizing that, uh, that in such a way? Um, so there's a lot of different things you can learn, but also a lot of different ways that you can evaluate um, about you know the way that uh, your customers interact or your competitors interact with their customers. Thank you, Kirsten. We're saying you. Is this the CEO, the CMO? Is this a dedicated social media competitive team? Is this an intern you just brought on board? Okay, Bob, you're here for the summer. We want you to go out and find out all the competitors and what their likes are, what conferences they're going to, and what kind of dogs they own, and if they're talking to solving problems to their customers and prospects on social. Who's Where is the guts of the job but whose job really is it, Kirsten? Who's doing most of the work on a dedicated basis? Who should? It has to be a collaboration across marketing and sales. Um, marketing is going to give you the bigger picture information, um, the you know the brand awareness about the competitive analysis. Um, you're, you're probably going to have, depending on the company, of course, the bigger company is going to have this, these dedicated teams um, and a dedicated competitive analysis teams. You're going to gather information from there. But a sales rep also needs to be able to speak to uh, uh, and understand their competitors on a deep level. And so they're going to have to dedicate some of their own time um, to to invest doing that investigation themselves. Okay. Frank D. Geisler, we need to get your POV on this. What do you think, Frank? A lot of conversation here. Uh, I, ag- I agree with what Kirsten said, but I would like to add something very important. For example, Please. at our company, we have a dedicated services and support desk. So these people are sitting all day on their computer, and sometimes there are spare times. So there are no incoming calls, hopefully, no customer complaints, no problems. So why not giving these people a task to check at least the service and support sides of the competition? Because they also will know technical perspective what might go wrong on the, uh, on the competitor side. And then they, they can feed this back. They can make a quick summary. Hey, this has happened. We have heard about this. There's a problem with that product, et cetera, et cetera. And feed it back to management, uh, sales, or marketing uh, to come up with uh, counter, or counter strategies. That's what okay. I would like to add. Thank you. Simon Deschen, this was your topic. I'll give you a minute. We're just about out of time here, but I'll give you a minute. You want to wrap it up? Anything you want to comment on that Kirsten and Frank shared? Yes, I, I mean, yeah, uh, dedicated people and and cross uh, and and making it a team and a cross effort between marketing and and sales, I think, are really crucial for that. 
um, I would also like <laughs> add that in really small companies, and there are a lot of, out there. I think it's uh, it's uh, it's the manager and it's, it's the executive's task as well on a day-to-day basis. Thank you very much, Kirsten. We're ready for our crystal ball predictions round, but there's one comment Already? here in your notes. Yeah, we are. It's fifty after fifty-one. Kirsten, uh, I'm inviting you and your panel back for part two on coffee break in November. So look for the invitation because we've just barely scratched the surface. Would you like that, Kirsten? Absolutely. Yeah, that sounds great. Okay. Consider it done. I have one open date left for the end of the year in the middle of November before the holidays. Kirsten says, I'm often asked how to respond to negative comments from competitors on articles or blogs. Kirsten, one minute. Wrap this up, and then we're going to go to Frank, then Simon, and you for a 60-second each crystal ball prediction. Kirsten, how do you deal with nastiness from competitors? Well, I think... it. When it comes to being online and in that virtual environment, digital environment where things can go viral uh, so quickly, I think it's important to not not engage in conflict. When someone is nasty or mean to you, your brand, um, you know, if you really feel like you have to address those comments, it's best to address them in an extremely professional, neutral manner online and then take any further comments offline. Um, that uh, it, it doesn't behoove you and your brand to, to try and um, rebut those comments um, with it, because it just becomes a, a war of words and uh, it can be very tiring for your customers to watch. Um, and, and it doesn't really do you any good, to my mind, anyway, uh, in terms of being able to um, deliver a great experience for your customers. I'm going to say TTHR, take the high road. Okay, Frank D. Geisler, you're up. 60 seconds. Let's have your prediction. Modern competitive analysis, remember social media. What's your wrap-up prediction, Frank? 60 seconds, it's all yours. Yeah, yeah my predictions, it will not go away. Definitely do not. Even if you're in a different country, if a different culture, if you're more conservative, you have to do this. And I know in the German-speaking countries, very often you say live and let live. But you have to watch out that James Bond will not show up and say live and let die. So watch out. Ah, <laughs> you did it. I was, I was going to start humming the theme song. Very well done, Frank. Thank you. Simon Deshan at Oak Threes. Okay, Simon, I'm giving you 60 seconds. What do you predict? Yeah, I predict more, of course, more more and more engagement on professional social media and on social media anyway. So that will lead to, for sure, more <laughs> more needs to, to listen to your competition. So it's, it's more and more on my side again. And, and probably also more global solution and less silos in terms of digital marketing solutions at large. Thank you very much, Kirsten Boileau. Oh, my goodness, Kirsten, they were so concise. We, had, can, we can give you actually 90 seconds, and you can inch that up toward two minutes if you really want to. Go ahead, Kirsten. Knock yourself out. Predictions, oh. please. Oh, my. <laughs> Well, uh, I have lots of time then. Uh, thank you both for, for great insightful comments and, and, um, and really interesting views on the future of, of social selling. I think, to my mind, social selling is going to, um, yes, it's absolutely not going to go away. And it's absolutely, you know, competitive analysis is absolutely going to be part of the, um, the overall program that you build when you put together a social selling program for your for your company but i think it also is going to become far more data driven 
right? And, and competitive analysis is going to be part of the data that we're, that we are able to deliver through, it'll be Come part of the package of information that comes from uh, whether it's uh, you know someone on the services desk who's who's putting together um, you know doing a bit of listening, viewing a couple of profiles, or uh, it all will funnel in ultimately to one place where uh, all the sales reps can get information about. Um, you know, how they're performing to how their competitors are doing, what their customers' customers are talking about, all of that kind of stuff. I'd like to see all of that come together in one big dashboard um, where you can start to drill down into the different areas and and really get a a deep understanding of the pieces that really are relevant to you when you're uh, doing your social selling preparation. Thank you, Kirsten. Do you think that there will be a data scientist specialty uh, in people who are training in that field very much in demand and will be for a long time to come? There'll be a specialty in social listening. Do you think that, that schools might start to say, this is really important, but it would be under the realm of a data scientist? Any thoughts on that? Do I have the wrong title? I don't, I don't, I don't know about titles. That's something that's not in my forte to understand. (laughs) (laughs) Touche. But I would think that yes, there's, um, you know, I can only speak from my own experience here at SAP, and we have someone on our team who his, you know, one of his main responsibilities is analytics around our social selling program, and you know, we don't have competitive analysis as part of his, uh, you know overall um, data set yet, but that's something I can, I can totally foresee us um, participating in and, and adding into our overall programs. Um, we do have it in the marketing side, and so maybe, you know, maybe it's time to add it into our, um, our sales side as well. Thank you very much. We're out of time. I want to thank Frank D. Geisler. Simon DeShen, Kirsten Boylow, very lively conversation. Kirsten, we will tweak the abstract. We will come up with something for the And uh, Frank and Simon, will you get an invitation from me and Kirsten to come back for part two on my flagship show, Coffee Break with Game Changers. And we're going to need a different drink, Frank and Simon, so think about that in advance. I have to say we've had an interesting Twitter party here real fast. Social media news going under the handle SM News Daily. Thank you for tweeting. Michael Labate, thank you so much. It's Michael N. Labate. L-A-B-A-T-E. We've had somebody named Boo Boo here who has been tweeting under Nari Mezian194, uh, repeating or retweeting the Frank Geisler quote from from, uh, Robert Orban. We've had Frank Geisler tweeting. We've had, uh, let's see, Hus Gorkut. I don't know who that is. Great to be on the show. Thank you very much, whoever you are. I'm seeing a lot of tweets. We've had Says It SMC tweeting as well. Kirsten, this was a real Twitter party here. And thank you very much to everyone. <laughs> Kirsten was tweeting and Frank again. And uh, I think we had Alexis Cooper 92 was tweeting and a couple of more people. And I'm running out of time here. So I just want to say thank you to our three very interesting, well-spoken, and charming panelists, Frank Simon and Kirsten. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I'll actually be back in one hour here on the Business Channel with a live edition of Partnerships Changing the Game for Digital Transformation. And our topic, if I can scroll up here fast enough, I'll tell you, and I'm not scrolling up here fast enough, so just tune in and listen. You'll find something very interesting. Oh, we're going to be talking about, um, let's see, oh, AppDev, UI and UX, User Experience Excellence and Your Digital Transformation. This is going to be a great topic. So signing off for now, and here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Aaron our engineer at the Business Channel, just like Frank D. Geisler at ERP Sourcing, Simon DeShan at Oak 
Reese and Kirsten Boylow at SAP Bonnie D. Graham signing off. I'll be back in one hour. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game with Social Selling, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.